You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. We're coming to you live from Tasmania, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going, and experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we are joined with David Leo from Devonport. Welcome, David. Thank you, Jason. Happy Monday to you, and happy Monday to everyone. Yes, happy Monday, wherever you are, listening around, uh, right across Australia. Maybe uh, you can text us in, uh, where are you listening oh, from yeah. today? That would be great to find out. Uh, where I know we broadcast all around Australia, so if you're listening today and you just want to text in where you're listening from, you can do that. Text us in on 0488880891. That's our Tassie Encounters number, 0488880891. Where are you listening from this morning? We'd love to hear. David, uh, you've been uh, continuing on with your series Encounters with Jesus and that's uh, been a fantastic series last year, all all the way through last year your program was on this topic but this year you're focusing on the parables of Jesus and today we'll be uh, focusing on another uh, couple of very short parables today. I I noticed when when I uh, read these parables that they're extremely short. Very short, yes. So uh, they're they're certainly not um, a difficult read (laughs) for anyone who wants to look them up and read them. But but I'm going to ask you a question to kick us off today, David. What is valuable to you? Yes, and that's a good question to segue into what we're talking about because in these short parables, it's actually asking us to uh, look at what we hold to be valuable and challenging us to look at salvation and Jesus Christ as something that's really valuable. How can we perceive it that way? And so what's something that I value? And that's a really good question. I read a book a couple of years back now. It's a popular one. It's uh, by a woman named Brené Brown, and it's called Dare to Lead. So it was one of the highly recommended ones on, uh, you know, for top 10. So I, I, I bought it. And uh, through, through the book, uh, there's a chapter where it asks you to find out what your values are. And I had so many things that I valued. But the next challenge she asked us to do was, now just choose two of them. Mm. Two things that, that you value. And so it took quite a while. It probably took about um, an hour to work through this uh, exercise, going from everything that I value, uh, dwindling it down to about 20, which I thought that's satisfactory. But then came down to two things, just two things to choose that is non-negotiable. These are the things that, you know, you're not willing to give up or, um, or you know, you suspect it won't change or expect it won't change throughout your lifetime. And uh, my whole family did it. Uh, my youngest, you know, he struggled with it, so he didn't really uh, couldn't figure it out really. But uh, I, we all had different ones. Mm. But the, the thing that, I, that, that mine dwindled down to was faith and family. Those were the two things that I that I came down to that's my non-negotiables those are two things that you know and my wife on my wife was integrity and loyalty so that kind of <laughs> that kind of speaks volumes as to what she she holds valuable but there are some things that we're just um you know just not willing to negotiate mm. and and those those were the two things that I that I thought of and I think um you know although the two the, the parable that we're looking at is is uh, short 
that we're looking at today. It's a continuation from what we've been looking at in the last couple of couple of weeks. So last week, mm. uh, I think it was Know Your Enemy, wasn't it? That's right. And the week before that was um, The Sower and the Soil. Yes. Right, The Sower and the Soil. And I, I'm, I'm going to give you a small test. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but do you remember the four, the, the four types of ground that the sower sowed seed on? Okay, let me think. There's the... Yes. Uh, the uh, the rocky ground. Yes. There's the pathway. I think the pathway was number one, wasn't it? That's right. And yeah. there's uh, and says the birds come and take away the seed. That's right. So they mm-hmm. they just landed on the pathway, and then the rocky soil. I think was mm-hmm. the second one, and then the third one. I think is soil where there's a lot of weeds that grew up and choked out mm-hmm. the uh, the seeds, and then the last one was the good soil. That's right. So the last the last one, which is the good soil. The parable that we're about to go into is a continuation of what the fourth ground looks like. What right. does soft uh, soil look like, right? And so we, we're going to get an expansion of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about uh, God's treasure today, um, the people of God's kingdom, what do they look like? How do, how do, they, how do they live life? What do they value? And so when we read the parables today, we're going to, we're going to do that, but um, you know, these are, and I, and I ask the listeners too, think about something that you find valuable mm-hmm. that is non-negotiable. And perhaps in the past, you've actually had to, uh, when you stood on these grounds because it was non-negotiable, you might have lost something, right? You might mm-hmm. have lost, uh, uh, it might, well, have, yeah, it might have cost you something to, to hold, hold to those uh, valuable things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. And and I'll I'll um, I'll share one really quickly. When I uh, when I worked for Customs Australian Customs, we had to go through this pretty thorough um, process of how they started to uh, you know to filter through the, the candidates and who they wanted in the end. You know, there was one massive test that we all had to, or two massive tests we had to do, and there was probably about a hundred people in the room when I was there, and I'm not too sure how many others did it. And then there was. Another one we had to do, and there's probably about 50, and then we did a group interview. So these are all separate times. So this is over like a two-month span. Then we did another separate interview in a group, and it was a group of about eight of us, I think. And then we finally had the last interview. And I remember when I applied for this job, it said that the busiest times were Saturdays and Sundays. Right? And I was wondering... When do I tell them about my conviction of the Sabbath that I don't work on the Sabbath, which is obviously Friday sunset to Saturday sunset? Mm. So I had that final interview and uh, everything was going well. And at the very end, and in my heart, I was saying, Lord, when do I tell them? I've got to be honest about, I have to be upfront about where I am because I've been upfront about, you know, um, this is the most busiest time. And so. At the very end of the interview, before we finished, they asked the, the you know the question that I've been waiting for. And David, is there anything you want to ask before we finish the interview? <laughs> and it's, so I tell them. Yeah, yeah. So what are you going to say, Jason? No, it's it's. Uh, I, I've I've learned in my experience that interviews are meant to be two way, not but we, they normally feel like they're one way, don't they? But uh, you get to ask some questions as well as the interviewee. Yeah, that's yeah. right, and mm. and so I got to ask them. I got to say, "Hey, listen, this is uh, here. Here is my, my convictions as a as a Christian a person, as a Seventh Day Adventist, 
And they looked at, there was two of them, and they looked at each other and said, you know what, that's going to be a problem because that's our busiest periods. And I said, you should understand that. That's what I saw. And they said, oh, well, as long as you understood it. And um, that's where we finished the interview. And they said, oh, thanks for coming. You know, um, there's not much we can do there. Mm. That, that, that was their wording. And so I left the, um, left the interview. And when I, got, when I got outside the door, this is something my parents have been praying for as well and I've been praying about. Uh, beforehand, but when I got out the door, I, I gave thanks to God and said, "God, thank you that I had that opportunity going through all that process. You know, um, we've come this far, and uh, I, I, this is where I, yeah, this is something I'm convicted about, and I believe I've done the right thing. You know, and so I, I gave thanks to God. And then a week later, I got a call from customs to say, "Come to the training." <laughs> <laughs> so, so on my first day of training, I said to them, "Hey, listen, this is what I told the people. They said, yes, we understand. We've got that here. We'll work. We'll work something out.'" And so I got to, uh, you know, work through customs, being able to observe the Sabbath, you know, and I thought, man, praise the Lord that this happened. I was the first Seventh-day Adventist. After me, there have been a couple of others that oh. called me and said, hey, what did you do about? And so, um, you know, like. You set a precedent. <laughs> yeah, but, but, you know, like, when I reflect on the th- two things that I value, faith, faith is, is definitely one of, one of them. You know, this is something that I really want to, I really want to honor God. Yeah, as best as I can. So let's read. Let's have a uh, read of the 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 short parable. Mm. Uh, So this is Matthew thirteen verses forty four to forty six. So there's two parables. If you could read that, please, Jason. Sure. And uh, we're reading from the ESV. Mm. So uh, this first one. There's actually two different parables here. Uh, The first one's titled "The Parable of the Hidden Treasure." The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field Mm. and the second parable the parable of the pearl of great value again the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it and that's it that's it that's they're the parables two 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 short parables And we're gonna we're gonna lengthen this by exploring what this what this means in our in our next segment after yeah, the after sure. the song. But um, so uh, we've had one listener text in as to where they're listening from. David from uh, WA, Ellenbrook, Perth, WA. Thanks, David, for uh, texting in. If you are there, are any mm. other listeners who'd like to share where you're listening from today, we'd love to hear from you. But also our listener question, you might uh, prefer to answer this question: What do you value, and has that ever cost you something in order to hold to hold on to it? So uh, what do you value and has it ever cost you anything to hold on to that? Text us in on 488 And remember, if you want to go back and listen to the past episodes, you can do that on the Faith FM website. That's faithfm.com.au. You can go and find all of our past episodes there. And also on the Faith FM app that you can download on your phone or tablet. We will listen to this first song. It's called To You Be the Glory. Who could hold the wealth of God? Such treasure found in Him. Who could comprehend His heart? And mind 
Matt Ma and Kari Job with To You Be The Glory. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with David Leo. We're looking at two parables on the topic of God's treasure. So uh, before we went to the break, we asked you a question. What do you value and has that ever cost you something in order to hold on to it? We'd love to hear you, hear from you. Text us in on 488 David, we've read these parables. We now need to, I guess, unpack them and uh, work out what they mean. Yeah, yeah. 
the, the first thing I want to talk about is this this word that we talk we talk about value, right? Things that are valuable. You know, things don't have value unless people put value on it. Mm. Now, I'm, I'll try and make sense of this. When, we, when it comes to money, money has value because uh, the government have said that this piece of paper is worth $5 and everyone in this government, in the Australian government, we, we acknowledge, oh yeah, that's $5. You know? And so we all agree that that's $5 when we go to the shops and retail, we all put that same value on this piece of paper that is no longer just a piece of paper that actually carries value. Mm. Right. When it comes to something that's sentimental, um, let's say that you got a, uh, you know, a, a, a type in from your grandfather, mm. right? I'd, I won't find that valuable. Others won't find that valuable, but you would find that valuable because that's from your grandfather. So you've placed value on that type in, and your grandfather has placed value on that type in. And in fact, your children will place value on that type in when you tell them the story of how this was passed on to you. Mm. But, no one else sees a value in there. And I want to ask you a question. You know, when it, when it comes to um, this, these parables we're looking at, they speak, like, do you find the do you find the pearl to be a valuable thing, Jason? Not for me personally, but I right. know some people would. <laughs> and, and you're the same as me. I think you and I would acknowledge people pay big money for that. Mm. Real, real pearls can be uh, can be valuable in terms of what people. Value, but yeah, for me personally, I'm, I'm not. I don't even like the look of you know, like in, uh, you know, people use pearls for jewelry, but it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't really. Um, uh, what's the word? Impress me. <laughs> right, right, yes. But in, you know, in the world of and, and we, you know, Jason, you're probably like me. I don't really. I'm not really associated with lots of millionaires, and you know, I don't really roll with those circles. But mm. uh, I'm pretty sure they would discuss the value of pearls yeah they can talk about it and whatever treasure this person found in the field uh it's something of valuable he acknowledges hey this is valuable and i'm gonna sell everything for it but the point i'm trying to make is we all have different perceptions of what value is Mm. but the fact is uh treasure is valuable because it's rare Mm. you know it's something that people can't get a hold of in fact i'll I'll ask you this side off question um have you heard of what an nft is I I haven't. You you asked me um, during the break, David, and I've I've looked it up online, uh-huh. and I'm starting to understand what the meaning. But it it my understanding, if if I'm right with where you're going with it, it's a non fungible token. Correct. Is that right? It, that's right. So <laughs> and, right and then you now, think, well, what does that mean? <laughs> a non fungible token. Yes. Yeah, so so right now you could go onto the internet and you could you could copy images you know if you want an image of a photo or some cartoon you can actually go and right click save as you know and sometimes they warn you this is copyrighted so don't use it for commercial purposes or whatever Mm. but what's happened now is if you create a photo or an audio uh, audio um digital file or even draw artists can draw digital things there's uh, a marking on it that says that you have the original yes and so there are people that have these original things and they can sell it and they sell it for tremendous prices. There's this guy, I think he's in the Philippines. He took a photo of himself for a whole year, I think on different days. Mm. And he was able to sell each photo for from like $500 to 10000 People buying it. Wow. Yeah, because it's the original. You know, like it's, they, people, there's people out there that see value in these things. Yeah. All right. 
And it's so yeah, it's yeah. because it's because of the rarity and the uniqueness of it. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so we go to this first parable of this man that's working in the field and he finds treasure that's buried in the field. <clears throat> and then what he does is he goes to sell everything he has just so he can purchase this field and uh, claim the treasure that he's found in there. Um, the fact that he had to that he had to go sell everything it, he had. It's interesting, I, isn't it? Uh, I'm 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 fascinated by this little parable because um, he must have been walking on this field or you know <laughs> searching on this field before he owned it, obviously. So I'm intrigued as to why he was wandering around on the field before he, uh, you know, before he owned it. Maybe uh, maybe a, he was looking for something. That's 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 actually a good question. I um, from the days of of you know, from when Jesus is telling the story. In fact, we're going to explore another parable in the future. But there is a, a parable where it talks about a servant burying treasure in the ground. Yes. Right. Yes. And uh, this was a popular practice back then. Uh, what what would happen is, um. You know, to to just so that if 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 uh, thieves come to the house or soldiers come to take away people's treasures, they have it buried in in certain places so that it can't get taken away. So it's better than putting it under your mattress. Correct. <laughs> Put it, yeah. So it's not in the house, yeah. and you know, it, but they know where it is in the field. Mm. And just like that parable uh, that we'll look at later on, um, there are people that go away on journeys, and they can't take their their treasure with they can't take their possessions with them mm. and so they buried in the ground and some of these people that go away they never came back mm. right so there's every indication in this particular parable that this this man is a servant of the master of the field mm-hmm. so he's probably working it to plow the field you know and it's a, remembering it's a continuation of the sower and the and the soil yes right? okay yep so the, the imagery may be still a carrying on and uh you know, this this guy as he's working the soil, he comes across this treasure, and legally, uh, I'm going to use the word lifted. Um, if he if he had lifted up that treasure, if or he he had taken it, taken away, tre- he, he would have been stealing it. That's right. It would, he would still be acting on behalf of the owner of the land, so he's still an agent ah, okay. of the owner. So what he does is he doesn't touch it. He puts it back. You know, he puts the dirt back over where he found it. And, uh, you know, he goes and sells everything he has, which suggests, again, that not only is a servant, but he's a servant that doesn't have much. Mm. Right. He, I mean, well, he's not, he's not a wealthy person because he could have just got that land just like that. But he had to sell everything he got that he could get that treasure. Now, um, you're going to ask something, Jason? Yeah. No, no, that's good. Yeah, so he sells everything he, he gets. Now, we don't want to get caught up in the details, you know, like the whole agent and, you know, well, was it legally his? You know, that he, uh, the point of the matter is <clears throat> he saw the value in the treasure that he found mm. to such an extent that he was willing to give up everything he had to claim that treasure. Yeah. And so, and, the, and, and the, to buy, buy the field that contained the treasure. Yeah, you know, and and there's a there's a there's a I don't know about you, Jason. As a little boy, you know, when they when we had these uh, games or at birthday parties where they gave us a scavenger hunt or a mm. treasure hunt, mm. there's always that you know there's an excitement when you find something, mm. you know, that joy, 
the joy of wow we found we found it yeah mm. we followed the map and we found it uh in this particular story he's got no map or he's got no treasure he haphazardly came across it you know he was just minding his own business and then oh he stumbles across it yeah. yeah yeah he's doing his doing his work and he stumbles across it that tells us that tells us about um the soft soil people the people of the kingdom of god they stumbled across it but they knew what the value was mm. do, do you hear what i'm saying they, yeah you know yeah. oh i wasn't looking for this but now that i found it mm. i recognize this is something that i need I feel I, the, the excitement and the joy is not like the seeds that fell on the rock and didn't find any root. You know, and as soon as the sun scorched it, it was gone. This this person says, well, "This is exciting. This is filling me with joy. I'm going to act on this," and they sell everything they have, you know, to come and to come and ensure they lay claim to this treasure that they found. You know, that's um, that's the first one. The second one, the merchant. It's a different story. This merchant is actually looking for pearls. So this, and in, in the time that this merchant is, you know, since the 1900s, um, humans have figured out how to farm pearls. Back then, you couldn't do that. You had to find the one in a million shellfish that got a, a grain of sand or, or some irritant that allowed it to grow into a pearl. And this guy is looking for that major pearl. And when he finds that pearl, he does the same thing as this guy. <laughs> you know, Gives up everything he has just so he can lay claim to that pearl that he can see. This has value. Yeah, great. And value. so, yeah, so we've got one that just stumbles across it. And you've got this mer- merchant guy who is intentionally looking for this. And once they see the value and see this is something I need to have, they act on it just like the, mm. the guy in the field. Mm. And and they've they've paid a, a big price for them, you know. They've sold everything. In both cases, they had to sell everything they had, and That's right. uh, and go and buy. Um, in in the first case, the field, and the second case, the pearl. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. We will go to another break. I just want to reiterate our question for our listeners today: What do you value, and has that ever cost you something in order to hold on to it? I guess we could also ask, has it ever cost you something to obtain that uh, thing that you value as well? So um, text us in your answer on 0488880891. We would love to hear from you. This uh, next song is Compared to Knowing Jesus by Mark Peterson. Though I have 
program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tazian Encounters on Faith FM and this morning we are talking with David Leo on his series Encounters with Jesus. 
Now, David, we've just been reading this parable from Matthew chapter 13, verse uh, two parables, actually two very short mm-hmm. parables, verse 13, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, verse 44 to 46 in Matthew 13. And these two very short parables both start with the kingdom of heaven is alike. And uh, I'm just wondering if you can tell us, you know, we've, we've talked about the meaning of the the latter part of the parables in terms of burying, you know, buried treasure in a field that uh, the uh, first one buys, buys the field, and the second one buys the pearls. But uh, we haven't really talked about the kingdom of God. What what does it mean here where it says the kingdom of God is like? Mm. So that's a, that, when, when I did my first one on the... Uh, the wineskins and the piece of cloth, you know, that, those two short metaphors, mm. uh, this parabolic language. Uh, I mentioned that before a lot of his parables, he says the kingdom of God is like, mm. and it really has to drive home um, to people that are listening that the kingdom of God is different. It's not the sa- It's not the same thing that we've been conditioned to believe that the meaning of life is this. <laughs> when Jesus starts with the kingdom of God is like, he says, no, the, the meaning of life is this, right? And it usually turns our world upside down when he, when he talks about it. <clears throat> in fact, in uh, Luke 17, I always find these two verses really fascinating. Luke 17, verse 20 and 21, it says that he was asked by the Pharisees when the, God, the kingdom of God would come. And he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. <laughs> Nor will they say, see here, or see there, for God indeed, or for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Mm. And the, the the Greek language is very interesting when you when you read these two verses because when I first read in the English, I was thinking the kingdom of God is within us. You know, there's it's God saying it's in our thoughts that we you know that, that it's that we we know it and we don't acknowledge it, or is He saying that the kingdom of God, which is Jesus Christ Himself, is among you? You know, because it kind of suggests that type of language. These two things, right? And um, I think there's there's an there's a there's a hint at both that Jesus Christ, because you know when he when he uh, he says that he if we abide with him, he will abide with us. That's what Jesus said in John 15. So I think there's yeah. a hint at both things. And the kingdom of heaven can be summed up in these two sentences that he gives to gives to us in Matthew as well. <laughs> He says, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the currency that the kingdom of God operates on. Mm. You know, and on that currency, it's something, just like Jesus said in Luke 17, 20, uh, verses 20 and 21 uh, and 22, it can't be observed. You can't, you can't, it's not tangible, the kingdom of God. You know, it's something that is, that uh, followers of Christ they value and understand Jesus and the message of Jesus and salvation, and they live it out in their lives. And so the kingdom of heaven, and I, I say it like this, I wish I could draw a picture. I, I could draw a picture for people, but we're looking at the kingdom of God restored next week. But just imagine a, a, a massive circle, like, you know, and then you've got a, a little circle inside it. And um, let's say that that, that big circle is God's empire and the small circle inside it is earth it's part of God's empire mm-hmm. what Satan has successfully done when he's brought in his kingdom and and uh, taken over he's taken earth outside of that circle 
which is no longer God's empire. Okay. And Jesus comes and says, no, I'm taking it back. And so now he has ambassadors in that, in that uh, place, which is the empire of God. And he says, we're claiming this place now. And so right now, although the earth may be under, um, you know, perceived to be under Satan's power, Jesus Christ has people on earth from the past right now, and he will keep, keep them here until the future that are living in this place as ambassadors saying, this is God's king. This is Christ's earth, not Satan's. Mm. And when you, when it's, when he takes it back, then everyone will see, oh, it is part of God's empire. It's no longer Satan's empire. And, and right now we walk around as if it is, we, we walk and believe, man, you know, like, well, is there, the, is there hope for Jesus and his kingdom? Because with our eyes, we look with our eyes and we go, oh man, you know, this pandemic, this, the war, you know, we look at Russia and Ukraine, Hong Kong, and China and Taiwan and all these different situations that happen in the world. And we look at all these things we wish we could help out with, you know, like starvation, human trafficking and all these things. And you think, man, Satan's really strong. Mm. But in every place on this earth, God has ambassadors that have looked into the salvation of Jesus Christ and they've heard Jesus say, um, you know, I'll be with you everywhere you go and everywhere you go, uh, I will give you that land. You're going to have uh, triumph. And so there are people around saying uh, that, that have seen the treasure and they've, sa- they've said, you know, whether they stumbled across it, whether they were intentionally seeking for it, and they've seen the treasure and said, this is amazing. This has changed my life. And I've got to tell you, you know, some, you know I've had some friends that say to me, David, you know, um, yeah, that's, that's why you go to church because at church, when you're, there's a phenomenon that happens, you know, and all the people get caught up in this emotion and they, they, you know, they, they get riled up and then they, they feel like, oh man, there's some excitement here. And I tell them, but Fred, have you opened up the Bible by yourself at home? Mm. <laughs> yeah, and just read it by yourself. Mm. I can guarantee you that excitement happens even in those places so that phenomenon that you're talking about no it's the the god's word wherever god's word is shared it's got to do something and so some people hear it and go wow and you can you know it stirs something in your mind like this is i can see the you know like people sit there for the first time they can either try and deny it but it stirs something in your mind and in your heart and you know i've got to change something in my life and there are people around the world where God has, um, where they've, has called and they've become, they've seen the treasure and they've, and they've given everything they have because they want to be part of this ambassador, part of this kingdom of God to tell others, no, no, Christ still has his hands on this world. He still has his hand on this earth and you know, his, uh, this kingdom will, will be restored and we're going to see it one day. Hmm. Right? And so... They're trying to get everyone. They're, they're trying to get everyone to see, you know, like they. For it's, this is like somebody that, that loves pearls, trying to tell you and me, hey, pearls are amazing, and they could probably spend two or three hours with us, uh, Jason. And at the end of the talk, we're going to go, hey, pearls are pretty cool. <laughs> you, know mm. I mean? you know what I mean? Like change, changing our perspective, changing our understanding of what we should be valuing. Mm. It's um, <clears throat> it reminds me of. Uh you know, what's going on in the world at the moment in terms of mm. um, Ukraine. You know, there are many there who will be um, sending their families away uh, to safety and uh, 
remaining there to to yeah. defend, I guess, their their place, their homes, and uh, their cities. But uh, you know, obviously, that shows a lot of value to them. You know, their their mm. home, their place, their their country is uh, highly valued. That they're prepared to risk their lives, and um, I guess in this yeah. case, uh, you know, that's a physical thing. But we're not talking about a physical thing here. We're talking about really a spiritual thing, isn't it? It's a it's yeah. it's a, it's a change of heart and mind that we're talking about. This kingdom of heaven. That's right. And uh, yeah. Um, we need to go to another break. Uh, before we do, we've got our book offer uh, today, our free book offer for anyone listening. You can c- uh, claim this book after the break. We'll give you a code. It's titled No Greater Love, and it's a, a book of true stories of the ultimate sacrifice. No Greater Love is a compilation of timeless stories of human sacrifice and divine love full of inspirational stories of those who made the ultimate sacrifice for others, both known and unknown. This book will be perfect for, um, you can use it for family or uh, wherever you are, sermon illustrations, all sorts of things. You can use these stories to, you know, touch your heart and uh, illustrate God's love uh, and his ultimate sacrifice for us. So this is uh, written by Carl Hoffner and uh, we'll give you the code to this book straight after the break. This is I'd Rather Have Jesus by Alison Krauss and the Cox family.
And that was Alison Krauss and the Cox family with I'd Rather Have Jesus. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM. And today we're just finishing up our program uh, with David Leo on the topic of God's treasure. And uh, we'll come back to that in a moment. But uh, before we do, I promise to give you the code for our book offer today. Now, we have just three copies of this book offer today, um, three copies of the book to give away. So if you would like to claim a, a copy of the book, No Greater Love, that contains uh, stories where people have uh, given the ultimate sacrifice uh, and uh, out of, I guess, that connection and uh, this belief in a divine love. The code to claim that is ENCOUNTER3, E-N-C-O-U-N-T-E-R, and the number three, ENCOUNTER number three. Text that into zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one, and we can get that out to you. Remember, just the first three people who text in encounter number three will receive that free book offer. Zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one. So, David, uh, we were talking about these parables, and both of the parables talk about something valuable. How would you like to summarize um, these parables today? Yeah, I was, <clears throat> I was just mentioning before that you know we're, we've been conditioned for so long to believe that this is what the meaning of life is, you know, that the kingdom, this is what it means to be successful in the kingdom. And there's, there's so many things we can go into, but I, wanna, I just want to hone in on um, you know, two things. Um, and men are really good at this. You know, I, I find that when it comes to to working on on project or careers or whatever, and they they put all their focus and value on this career, you know, to get through and to make this money, you know, and usually the motive is to look after the family and get the um, give the next generation a, a, a big break that they can you know take on life easier, and uh, you know when you make that your career your value the most valuable thing, there are other things that fall by the wayside. Yeah, other you know, other things can suffer when uh, yeah. when we overvalue something that probably shouldn't be overvalued. Correct. You know, and, and it can even fall into uh, relationships as well. Mm. You know, like make make your your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife, that you everything in any like the the be all and end all. And uh, when you become so focused on that, you know, things can fall by the wayside there as well. You can lose your individual character. You can lose things that are more important in life and. Jesus comes along and says, uh, "Make me your number one priority. You know, put put those things to the to uh, to less of a priority, and you'll find that those things fall into place. Mm. You know, your career your career under Jesus guide, uh, uh, being the master, and uh, our relationships under Jesus being the master. Our everything under Jesus Christ, you know, it, it becomes uh, a less of a burden. <laughs> his his uh, his yoke is light, and his." His burden, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light, as he says in Matthew eleven. But um, you know, they, these are the things I want to think about, and I'm always inspired by the stories. You know, like I, I think of um, my parents. You know, when they when they moved to Samoa, I, I love that story. The things that he had to give up to move to uh, move from Samoa to New Zealand, mm. and when he got to New Zealand, he worked and whatever, and he met met my mum, and uh, you know the the way they came across. Um, you know, a man that was that would read his Bible and his lesson Sabbath school lesson pamphlets every lunchtime, and how that led from 
a dis, you know, from a discussion to this this man challenging my father. You know, you've got a family now. Do you really want to keep drinking? You know, is gambling at, on the horses going to get you anywhere? And you know, all these things that challenged my dad's perspective. And then he started to realize, man, there's value in what this guy's saying. You know, there's value in the words that he's sharing with me, the, the things that he's sharing from the lesson pamphlet to the point he did Bible studies and saw the value in, you know, uh, the time that we're living in and how Jesus Christ wants us to be in his kingdom and how much my dad and mom wanted to share with everyone else that, you know, when they shared it with their families back in Samoa, they, both of them, both families basically said, you know, if you do that, we're going to disown you. <laughs> like, because this is our family's religion, you know, and if you know anything about the Polynesian Islands, it's synonymous. Your religion and family are like the same thing. You know, it's like you're you're leaving the family. But they gave it all up to do that. Mm. And um, I think of another uh, another uh, uh, story of a, a girl back in the 1800s. I think it was around yeah early eight, yeah, early 1800s. So it was around 1730, 1740. There was this young girl. Uh, her name is Marie Durand in in France. Now she was part of the Protestant movement. And uh, she went to a, it's not actually known why she was arrested, but at 15 years old, she was arrested. Uh, she was a Huguenot. And if you read a book named Great Controversy, you'll read about so many inspirational stories or that book that Jason's offering. But this girl was arrested at 15 years old because of her faith. And she was held in this tower with other women that were in so a prison for women. And uh, from the age of 15, she was in prison for 38 years. Wow, and they let her go because she was sick and she was dying, and that's that's the only reason why they released her. But she's famously known for um, her time in prison because you know even the guards they felt sorry for her, this young girl, and they'll say to her, "All you need to do is recant, mm. just say I recant," and that's that's the two words you need to do to be let go. Mm. But in the tower. Even today, because the tower's still there, you can go check it out if you wanted to, if you're doing a tour of the Reformation. She uh, carved this word um, on the wall, which says, uh, resiste. Yeah, resiste. Which I assume and means some sort of resistance. <laughs> it means I resist. Yeah. Yeah, she's, so they were saying, just say, I recant. Mm. And she itched in that wall, I resist. Yeah. <laughs> and she, that must have been the place that she went to all the time. To you know, um, to recite Bible verses and claim the the promises of God, and say so I resist because, you know, I I don't want to give up my faith. I don't want to, you know, um, do they do what they're asking me to do for the sake of me following my life. But then I've got to live with this this this, this realization that man, I I lied to to be free. Hmm. And so she'd rather be in prison. You know, and give up whatever life she could have lived to resist the 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 letting go of this treasure or the letting go of this pearl that she had found. You know, it's a it's a um, people like Marie Durand really inspire me, you know, <laughs> and so many other stories where people just said, you know, um, God is so good to me. The experience that I've had, God, you know, the Bible says, "Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good." These people have tasted and seen, and there's nothing you can do to change their minds and their and, and their convictions. You know? And obviously, that shows the the value that they put on on those beliefs and that that faith um, that they have. Because right. uh, if if you're not prepared to to give it up, and you gave an example earlier in in terms of your work, and uh, 
Um, but uh, yeah, ultimately, and I guess that at some point in life, we may face a challenge like that, mightn't we? Where our faith is tested in our beliefs and yeah. uh, and our relationship yeah. with God. And you know, before that crisis even comes, you know, my challenge to the listeners is identify what that what what is non negotiable in your life right now. And you know, I really want to offer to you. And if you haven't seen the value in Jesus Christ and salvation, then I appeal to you, you know, explore that, yeah. find it, and Absolutely. see the value. Yeah. Awesome. David, um, what have you got for us next week on Encounters with Jesus? Well, it's another short parable. Uh, it's God's kingdom restored. So okay. Jesus actually gives us a parable of what it's going to look like when he restores his kingdom. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, and of course, uh, tomorrow we've got Peter Watts uh, joining us. Um, his new series called The Apprenticeship, and uh, I will be hosting that with him tomorrow. And uh, the title of tomorrow's program is Confession. So that'll be an interesting one to listen to. So we do hope that you can join us both next week um, for uh, David Leo's program with Encounters with Jesus, God's Kingdom Restored, and Peter Watts tomorrow. Remember the book offer today, Encounter 3 to 0488 double eight zero eight nine one to get your free book of no greater love this is your heart by sydney wolverton have a great day and we hope you can join us tomorrow sometimes i wonder why i don't find what i look for searching places that i know i've been before my friends will tell me, Sid, what you look for is already yours. The treasure that you seek is waiting right outside your door. Jesus, open my door. Cause I want the way and I want the one. I want the sun to shine on me. And I can't believe that you're showing truth of your love, that I'm the treasure of your heart, the treasure of your heart. Well, life will pick us up and drop us back down again, but I'm not scared because tomorrow is in your hands. Anyone can find the dirt in someone else's heart. Help me be the one to find the gold right from the start Now help me start, yeah, yeah Cause I want the way and I want the one I want the sun to shine on me And I can't believe that you're showing me The truth of your love, that I'm the treasure of your heart is full of
This program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.